All right, this is our 22-23 season review, and we're going back to a traditional format with a traditional guest host. How are you doing, Paul? Yeah, very feeling very traditional. It's nice to talk <laughs> to you, Ed. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. It's, the weather is beautiful here. I've been I've been doing some DIY. Nice. Anything yep. exciting? Uh, I fixed our bathroom. I made some concrete steps. I've cleaned up the garden. I've fixed the basement, which is looking beautiful. And yeah. the sitcom crew. I watched is, the football. <laughs> the sitcom crew is arriving to film your life, which because you apparently moved into an American Pacific Northwest sitcom. I like. So I was it. gonna. I was gonna try and construct a conceit that we haven't spoken to each other since last time we did this. So we only talk to each other when it's recorded and cameras are rolling. That's it. <laughs> well, now now my face is out there. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing social clips. Uh, yeah, there you go. People I, know I had someone come up to me in a brewery the other day and say, hello, are you, are you Ed? And uh, I was like, yes. He was like, I thought I recognised your voice. <laughs> nice. Uh, Pretty it's, random. It's always, a fun, it's always a fun moment when that happens. That hasn't happened to me once in the last 18 months. I'm out. No. I'm out of the game. I got out. Not, not in the game you don't exist. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Content to podcast listeners. There's probably loads of people listening to this who are like, who's this guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like some people don't remember Gigs Beckham Skulls Keen. They're like, oh, who are those guys? Basically, they I'm not being any good. I'm the original mum on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air before they changed the actress. <laughs> I've turned into three people. Oh, it's nice to be back, Ed. I um, I haven't been, let's say, forensically involved in Manchester United because every time I check in with the news, it seems super depressing in one way or another. Well, yes, there's quite a lot of um, scumbaggery going on. We, you know, yeah. we finally got rid of Ronaldo and his scumbaggery. Yes. We, yeah. we, we haven't had gigs in the director's box for a while and his scumbaggery. Um, we may or may not be taken over by a bunch of abusive autocratic monarchs who, you know, like exploiting slave labor. Maybe, maybe not. And then news broke this morning that um, Anthony allegedly brackets used to beat up his girlfriend. So awesome. Great stuff. Just oh, lot. and Mason's uh, still hanging out there somewhere. Yeah, I heard he scores a lot of goals. That's what uh, Eric Ten Hag said the other day. Like, mm. I mean... Sure, yeah, sure. That's really the headline. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Jeez. anyway, if Qatar don't take over, it's going to be terrible chemical barons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. Or some scumbag vulture private equity guys, although they seem like, you know, running last at the moment in the race to buy Manchester United. Although one, one thing Dan and I talked about on yesterday's pod was the involvement of Saudi and not just buying clubs, but buying institutions and leagues and so on. And um, we saw breaking today that Live Golf, which is the Saudi-backed thing, have basically taking o- taken over the PGA. It's, they're calling it a merger, but, you know, it's oh, not. Oh, has that <laughs> happened? Oh, yes, yes. Wow. So, you know, Pro Equity is trying to buy up leagues. They've obviously got the deal in Spain. They tried to buy up Germany. was rejected very, very narrowly um, by German clubs. But yeah, it's the next step, right? States buying leagues. And of course, you know, Italy, France, Spain, Germany, all desperate for money. It's yeah. likely to happen. Yeah, Blimey. Football, as we know, it is not going to be what it once was, that's for sure. It's fine, though, because I've got really into 
I got, I sort of got out and got a new hobby and got really into cricket and all oh, that's fine. That isn't disappearing into the hands of private equity and being destroyed from the inside and ripped into pieces and all the things that we used to like about it disappearing. No, it's fine. You, you, you're not looking forward to major league. Uh, I was going to call it major league golf, major league cricket. Then I mean, the thing is, the truth is, of course, I am actually looking forward to major league cricket. But that's I, I'm really looking forward to the spin, the American take on cricket. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much better than baseball. So there's definitely a market there. Yeah. If you're into ball hitting stick type yeah. sports. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it kicks off this year. Short tournament in, I think it's taking place in Texas. And then there are stadiums being built around the country. So yeah, there's Jason Roy has signed for the Los Angeles Knight Riders. I mean, that's a good, like, franchise and location blend. Because I'm pretty sure that Knight yeah. Rider was shot in talking about alienating yes. young, younger listeners um, yes <laughs> um, back to the 80s yes so the manchester united night riders how how was our season then i mean the, the thing is it's interesting right because there are various points in the season where it seemed like we were having a really good season and there have been various points in the season where it felt really really flat and yeah. i think the the end point is third place in the league and a tight and a cup like that's it's bite your hand off territory, right? At the beginning of the season. Oh, it's seven to eight out of ten on a ranking scale, something yeah. like that. I think. Yeah, I mean, the low points clearly the first two games of the season getting absolutely battered, and everyone like, well, is Eric going to last out the month or not? Yeah, uh, the chaos that Ronaldo caused until he got kicked out, rightly, not before time, um, and losing. Getting battered by City, was it 6-3? Getting battered by Liverpool, completely capitulating at Sevilla. Like, those are the low points, aren't they? What? Well, Losing I... a cup final, obviously. To <laughs> yeah, that was sad. Manchester one fifteen. Oh, God, the internet. This is what the, the internet's a problem, isn't it? Because people start in real life saying things like Manchester one fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like calling him 20 or lay legend, but it's all squished into one um yeah I, I mean like the period around the severe game that was that was the bit which felt the kind of heaviest where the yeah. team just looked absolutely dead on their feet you could no idea where games goals were coming from i think that was when casemiro was suspended for five games and then came back kind of like looking like he was struggling to refine the pace of things i mean i thought he was um, I, I haven't watched nearly as much United as I would have done in different seasons, but basically every time I've seen them, I've just been super, and he's played, he's looked like a complete massive difference maker in this team and kind of think, okay, Ten Hag has definitely done as good a job as could reasonably be expected of him. I think you could maybe say maybe some of the squad management was a little bit questionable at various points in the season where it felt like he was pushing that first eleven beyond breaking point but apart from that yeah him specifically he seems to be doing fine but ultimately it's just like this team had lots of fairly decent pieces and needed a couple of absolutely key pieces center back center midfield if you now get goalkeeper and center forward this summer which are the two positions that aren't fixed it how much of that is like oh ten hogs a really good manager a really good coach and how much of it is just it's just like a pretty good team with key figures and like really good leadership on, on the pitch yeah. now and things like that. Well, you know, it's that old soconomics thing. It's 92% of the variance in results is based on wages. Uh, that can be yeah. challenged, of course. 
um, and it's all based on averages and stuff. So, you know, whatever United were underperforming their squad value for a very long time. Yeah, and, and Eric has at least got them on par, and and we suspect he's probably a good enough coach to to get above par, right? So, um, that's not a good analogy when it comes to golf because golf scores are the other way round, aren't they? But you know, whatever. Yeah, below <laughs> he can get them below par. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I suspect he's a good manager. Yes, definitely questions about him for sure. I mean, I'm not sure that the team and and I I do wonder. Whether a lot of the time it's him trying to kind of fix the compromises he yeah. has to make, you know, yeah. and and like the team for the cup final, not sure it's the team I would have picked, kind of got the result, you know, maybe maybe it's the best result we could have got, but kind of got the result that that team was asking for, really, because it was a bit unbalanced. And but he did that because he couldn't leave it so open that they stick four or five past us. Right? Yeah. So he had to get an extra man in midfield, and he he seems to make a lot of those compromises all the time. He didn't man he he didn't manage the squad as well as perhaps we'd like because he the depth isn't there, you know. So yeah, he, Casemiro, despite being suspended a whole bunch, played over fifty games. I, mm, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. He just played every single game. He wasn't suspended. Yeah, and he really looked it. And as soon as they got a couple of midweeks off, they suddenly looked refreshed again. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, know? definitely. And they made light work of Champions League qualification, which at one point really didn't look like it was going to be light work. Like well, in the end, they, they were super, they cruised over the line and it looked like they were going to yeah. just about collapse over the line and kind of put one hand over the finish line to, to indicate that they were done and scrape through. But actually it's really like the, the records will show that this was a really comfortable season for United, which yeah, you know, there were periods it definitely didn't feel like I said again around the around the time of that severe game where it looked all a bit. I mean, you know, Nate Silver, he was totally confident the whole time. He was like, nah, eighty something percent Champions League qualification, which I, I suppose really makes sense when you look at those last three fixtures in particular, right? There was there were just points on the table for United. Yeah. But we've seen that not come to pass previously. So, you know, this this is a big achievement. And and I think one of the things that you've got to say about Ten Hag is you've got some of the really big calls that we need. Like Maguire, Maguire could easily be a millstone. He's played Maguire when he's had to. That's it. A few courtesy appearances here and there, but very, yeah. very clear and unbridled message that you are not it, son. And Sure. What did he play? Eight or nine starts in the Premier League. I can't remember. It's something like that. Yeah. I mean, that is, you are reserve. I not even the reserve. You're the second reserve. Maybe even the third reserve because he's behind Lindelof, Shaw, and then then it comes Maguire. So. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I mean, you know, he's played Luke Shaw a lot at centre-back instead of Harry Maguire. So he's got my kind of unconditional love and support for that. Um, I, I think the way he handled the Ronaldo situation was, like, perfect. He didn't mess around. He was very respectful of Ronaldo in public, at least. Um, and, you know, Ronaldo ended up disgracing himself and looking utterly ridiculous in in you know the way that he left was you know it's laughable really what he was even what he was saying about the club doesn't really stack up even the things that you would go well he's not totally wrong about this that or the other ultimately this is a team that, that did sort of display a significant amount of ambition and you could argue mm. about because this is the other thing I would slightly argue about Ten Hag is that it was him who said, yes, let's spend 100 million on Anthony. 
and him who said, yes, let's get in Valverkost as a potential in the summer, which I understand the move, but doesn't make it right. Like it's, it's, yeah, sure. You know, uh, who's who's uh, better, Weghorst or Regalo? Like that's the key question, isn't it? I mean, this is a question for the ages. I mean, Nigallo yeah. scored some goals. Yeah. You can't, you can't bin on Vout, can you? No, you can't. One bounced off his shins one time, I think. He celebrated. Uh, he actually looked absolutely... <laughs> he, he looked really gutted at the end of the cup final, didn't he? Yeah. He was like, on the floor. I was like, it's probably his last chance of a trophy because he's going to be, you know, he's going to be back at Burnley. I'm not sure he's getting in that side. That's not exactly how Vincent Company plays. There was rumours that he might move to Everton. If that's your calling of the... Uh... I mean, if I was Everton, I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole, right? Like, he's... I, I, I was kind of really rooting for him because I love... I mean, he's just like Igalo all over again, right? I love a, a kind of dream loan signing for the player. Like, yeah, go on, son. Make it work. Like, make the magic happen because it's an incredible story if it does happen. But ultimately it just the the lack of quality was really yeah telling well we'll get on to the usual structure i think of should we should we go through goalkeepers defenders midfielders forwards yeah let's do it let's do it all right it's been a while let's talk about goalkeepers Uh, oh no united's best goalkeeper this season jack butland or tom heaton so I mean, there's two two goal backup goalkeepers who maybe not now, but at one point in their career were unquestionably better than David De Gea is this season. Like their best seasons are definitely better than De Gea's season this season. Yeah, he's it's it's interesting. Like um, the the internet debate always gets boiled down to the least salient points in the shortest amount of time doesn't it but sure uh, you know a lot of people i just tend hard did a lot of people point out that dave has won the golden glove this year although i kind of think that's a team award it's like when do you remember the individual when, award remember when van der Sar broke the record for clean sheets like and he everyone was going oh van der Sar's broken the record for the longest continuous run without conceding a goal and it's like van der Sar did not break this record <laughs> like he didn't have to do anything to get this record. Yeah. It's behind Ferdinand and Vidic in a team that was completely dominant. Um, well, United conceded about half the number of chances this season as they did last. It is slightly more, but um, around about. Big, big drop in the number of chances conceded, and that's because Casemiro yeah. um, and, and Martinez um, made a big difference to, to United's defensive shape. And so you know, the number of mistakes that Dave has made, double that, because that's the real number. Yeah. I think um, it's, it, or that's a, that's a stupid, um, a, a stupid concept, but, but yeah, it's the team award. Team has done really well to get that number of clean sheets. Obviously, there's been some horror shows in there along the way. Don't think that's any credit on Dave. And unfortunately, like all the metrics, at least, the way I look at it, all the metrics look like Dave's in the sort of bottom quartile of keepers in the Premier League. Yeah. Now, you talk to goalkeeper coaches and some of them will say something different. But, yeah, he, his distribution is horrendous. His his ability to dominate an area has just not improved since he was 18 years old, which is shocking, really. Most players can improve something. Ryan Giggs even got a right foot towards the end of his career. The You know, you can do it. 
the the thing is he can still do things that no other goalkeeper can do or like no other human can do but it's just the I mean, they talked about this on the Football Clichés podcast as a kind of joke, the concept of a goalkeeper who reverses the cliché. They're not a great shot stopper. They're a stopper of great shots. It was a reverse of the old kind of attacking midfielder cliché about goal scoring or whatever. But that really is De Gea. Like, he's just not a great shot stopper. He concedes goals that other keepers wouldn't concede from shots all the time. Happens all the time. Um. But he stopped when he does his amazing thing. It looks mind boggling and it kind of makes you forget like five different errors. When you combine the fact that that it, it costs United so dearly that he won't come off his line ever. Yeah. He used to make up for it with reflexes, right? That used to be the thing. But yeah, it, does, it doesn't happen often enough. They, yeah. To me, he's like, that is, I mean, you can't say it's number one priority because of the extent to which a centre forward is a priority. But it's just not that far behind with what needs fixing at United. I think it's really fundamental. You said that no other human can do what Dave does. So what animal would you stick in goal instead? Um, this, this is a classic mailbag <laughs> bad question, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, would I mean, you rather one duck-sized David, David De Gea or a hundred? Definitely like a hundred David De Gea-sized ducks would save more shots. Um the, because they would just stand in the goal and that would take up all the goal. He looks like a llama, so it's hard to get llama out of your head, but that would be a very ineffective goalkeeper. Orangutan, they've got the physiology for it, but I feel like the reflexes aren't there with an orangutan. They've got the arms, but are they really using it? They're not quick, are they? Lima, yeah. hanging off uh, with its tail over the, on the, on the yeah, bar. Yeah. He's definitely got certain animal quality to him, doesn't he? Yeah. Dave, yeah. I mean, I've said this before on the podcast, but up close, he I've never seen a human look that springy. Like, you just walk past him in the mix zone or whatever, and it was just like, this man is just like walking springs. It was unbelievable. He looked, his physiology, wearing clothes, I should say, looked completely different to the other players. Like, there is something about him where it's like, yeah, you can see why this person can do these things that you, you normally can't do, but mm. he's got to go. I mean, he's absolutely he's gotta go, just yeah. got to go. Yeah, the only reason he stays is if, well, maybe there's two reasons and they're both financially related. United just don't have the budget to buy a goalkeeper and, and Eric thinks he can, and I think mistakenly, thinks that he can compromise on that one. I, I think it's just too fundamental. It's not the mistakes, the problem is everything else. It's yeah. the distribution, it's the catching, it's the command of the area, it's the organisation, all of that. Um, but uh, Eric thinks he can spend the money elsewhere. Or they're going to get a goalkeeper in and they think they can get Dave down to a low enough salary that it's okay. I mean, for example, they put Henderson on more than 100 grand a week and they're happy to pay that to a reserve, mm. basically. Um, I still think it's just better to drop 50, 60 million on the guy you think is going to be the best keeper in the world for the next 10 years. It's just so fundamental, right? So, yeah. And whoever that is, I'm not sure the answer. Is it Diogo Costa? Maybe. Well, I've seen of him. He looks great, but then he had a terrible World Cup. So mm. maybe uh, he doesn't do well under pressure. David but, Raya, yeah, he looks okay. He's great with his feet. Is he the best? Probably not. But you know, I often doing... think about this in like in terms of like the fan conversations, a conversation we've had loads. But it's like it shouldn't be incumbent on people who watch United to know who, like, someone at United should know. Who that's their job to And they do. They have a they have a whole list. They actually have a professional 
recruitment department now. Yeah. Finally, yeah. finally, you know, they've got director of football, they've got his assistant, they've got the technical team under Darren Fletcher, they've got a massive scouting network. I mean, it's professional. Yeah. They should be making the right decisions. And then, you know, we have to trust Ten Hag knows a thing or two. Sure. I don't know, he knows a thing or two about goalkeepers, but maybe he does. So. It just seems like such a, um, it's not like additive to bring in a better goalkeeper. It's multiplicatory, not a word, but you know, it's a great, it's a multiplier, right? Because yeah. everyone else gets to do their job better. Ten Hag has to make much smaller compromises if you have the, if you have a replacement for Ten who can distribute the ball, who can command this area. Everything changes. You could just um, play with a keeper who comes off his, who is comfortable defending if the whole team is in a high press far up the pitch and the press gets beaten or, you know, I, yeah. you're not looking for Edison levels because I think that's, you know, you're maybe looking too high, but someone who's in that. Oh, you know, Stefan Ortega in the cup final, miles better with his feet, probably a better keeper as well. Not that we got very near him. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> hard to say on that front. But the, his comfort level with his feet was shown after 12 seconds when he pinged a 60-yard ball to Erling Haaland. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's so fundamental. And this is not Dave bashing because he's done wonderful things for the club. But it's just time. It's time. And it, it's like it's the idea time, that you'd sign right? him up to another pastime. Yeah, the idea that you sign him up to another three years. It's like it's that final Rooney contract, isn't it? Yeah. It's a millstone. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, or the final. All right, the final Phil Jones contract. Oh God, God. You know what? Phil Jones will leave and he'll become fit because that's what happens. Chris Smalling. No injuries anymore. Yeah. Used to be injured all the time. Left United, suddenly fit. There's something in the water. Yeah. Um, or they just don't invest in the medical department. I don't know what it is. Or there's just not enough rain at Carrington, you know, and the pitches are hard. Yeah. It seems unlikely. I mean, but, yeah. I, well, I mentioned, we talked about this the other day, and, and it is worth probably pointing out that as soon as Patrice Everett joined Juventus, they identified a strong intolerance to eggs, and he removed eggs from his diet, and he was way fitter and healthier. So it's like, why why isn't that happening at United? You know, maybe it is yeah. now. Maybe they've learned the egg lesson. Egg for a <laughs> maybe. Oh, well, it's that Ryan Giggs thing. He injured for years and years, and they realized they finally realized he had small feet that was doing his hamstrings in, and so he found a fix for it. Yeah. So all right. Uh, yeah. And uh, defenders, defenders. An interesting bunch this year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, who have we got? We've got Dallo and Wambazaka at right back, Shaw and Malassia left back, and then Varane, Martinez, Lindelof and Maguire as our centre-backs. I don't think anyone else played this season. No, just Shaw, a, the... Shaw as an, a centre-back as well. That's... Oh, so, yeah, I don't think any kids. So, so right back's an interesting one because we had Dallo had a great first half of the season. Crap second half of the season. Wan Pasaka had a crap first half of the season. Pretty good second half of the season. Yeah, and I'm you know, I'm a sucker for a redemption narrative, and it really feels like it's one of it's a Ten Hag triumph, the return of Wan Bissaka, because like um friend of the podcast Cal Gildart was was saying it's frightening, but United actually just look way better collectively now when Wan Bissaka's on the pitch, which is just not something we would have said last season yeah. or um, it, it's not just the, the great last ditch tackles anymore. I mean, there is still a thing of like, if he's overlapping, then the pass is going to go inside. Right. Cause no one passes to him still a little bit, but yeah. Um, but I, I no think goals, one assist, 
I mean, he just the output's not there, but he looks better going forward for sure. Yeah. He's more, he contributes more, but yeah. yeah, he's still not, he's not Cafu levels of pinging in balls, is he? No, but the defending is just, I mean, I mean, talk about he can do things that other players can't do. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone else in the Premier League that does what he does. There's that, it's that quote, right, when Zaha was through on goal and he said, oh, right. it's wan Bissaka behind me. He's going to get the ball. And he did because um, he's the only one that does that tackle. He uh, He's so good at that tackle. He managed to take Jack Grealish down with an invisible leg. <laughs> yes, Grealish was very upset by that point, wasn't he? Martinez yeah. is obviously the winner of the award. I mean, Luke Shaw, honourable mention, but Lissandra Martinez as transformative a signing as Casemiro, yeah. really. Just like like the player, where have you been all my life kind of player. And of I course, mean, we had all the gammons on TalkSport going, oh, he's not big enough. Uh, oh, and other places, Jamie Carragher, not on TalkSport, is he? He should be. He kind of fit in well there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty, for it's for pretty a couple of weeks, wing. talked about his height. <laughs> um, talked about his height for a couple of weeks, but everyone forgot that pretty quickly, yeah. right? He, he wins enough balls in the air, but it's just, it's defending's great and his it's distribution's just brilliant. It's so, it's, yeah, if you know you want to build out from the back, he, he needs to be in there, doesn't he? He's so proactive. Like, he's so, he's such a, he's a proactive defender and, and, I mean, him and Varane, obviously Varane can't stay fit all the time. But when him and Varane play, it's, that is just a beautiful centre-back. I mean, that is that is an absolute, that is a title-winning centre-back pairing, Varane and Martinez. That you don't need to, there's no need for an upgrade there at all. And we have not had a, a, a centre-back pairing where you could say there's no need for an upgrade for a really, really long time. So, yeah, it's been, it's, yeah. it's just fun to watch as well. And these absolute Stretford end fodder. Lissandro yeah, Martinez sure. and he's Argentinian yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's a right yeah. little what's it a spike yes yeah. <laughs> yes and he's skillful I mean come on this is this is no, what perfect, United fans live for it, it, great signing great signing and Rafa Varane has has stayed pretty fit this season actually yeah, surprising better than his first season they've managed him correctly he hasn't played every single game I don't think he played a way at Forest in the League Cup. Right. I could be wrong about that one. Um, but he's, he's played the right amount of games, I think. He's quit international football, which is good for United. Not good for France, but good. Um, they've got enough, haven't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. No tears here for the French. Not since 1415 uh, in Corps, which we won, by the way. Just, yeah. Saying. Um, but if you're interested in the Hundred Years War, there was a I think it was a four or five part series on the uh, the rest of his history, on uh, great, really great. Yeah, I mean, but you know, Britain as an aside, Britain very much needing to look back to the 1400s to find anything to feel good about itself about, right? Like, that's... but absolutely for sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were trying to Brexit at that time as well, by the way. But I mean, it's more yes. like you know, trying to murder the French kings. But hey, it, it started. To th- it was a theme, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, talking to French king- kings, Rafa. Varane, absolutely phenomenal, beautiful. phenomenal. But Martinez gets the award, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, okay. Luke Shaw's had a really good season yeah. as well. By the way, yeah. again, so um, and he's not even his contract's not due. What is it? Like I just they signed Malasia, so it was another. You just, just got to get a yeah. new left back in every season to, to yeah. frighten Luke Shaw. Yeah, Malasia is interesting. Um, I mean, it's good first season at the club. He's got weaknesses. I do like he's very, very comfortable as this sort of inverted fullback, isn't he? He's just very natural doing that. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess that's growing up in 
Dutch football. I think he's got a lot to offer as an all-round game. Doesn't have the attacking chops of Luke Shaw by any means, just not as aggressive. Um, and the Shaw-Rashford combo seems so just, good. just perfect, isn't it? Yeah. But if Molassi is happy to be happy to get 20 or 30 games a season, which is probably what he's paid this season, then perfect. Ideal. And, you know, he'll play when Luke Shaw plays at centre-back as well. Uh, would you would you bring in another centre back in the summer? I mean, I guess you would if the budget was there, but presumably the budget won't be there, so that would be a compromise. Yeah, I mean they'll sell Maguire for thirty to forty if they can get someone to take it. You can imagine little Eddie Howe wanting that, or David Moyes if he's still got his job. Yeah, There's no way Newcastle are signing Maguire. He's not good enough for what their ambitions are. They're going to win the Champions League next season. That's true, but they do play with a deeper line. Mm, okay, than, yeah, yeah. So and and that's just what that's just what Maguire needs. He just needs to be able to defend and nothing else. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's also on a big contract, so that that makes a difference. I, I you, uh, in, you'd think he'd be prepared to take a wage cut though, because to play, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd think. Yeah, but I guess that affects um, maybe like then that would affect how much someone's going to pay United for him or whatever because they're like, well, we've actually got to sure. put more money on it's his It's the wages. total budget yeah. that makes a difference, his wages plus the fee. Yeah. So Maguire's amortised value is is um, is two-fifths of 80 million. So work out whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. 30, 30 million-ish or something. This is a good example and... of how amortisation doesn't take into account whether there was any value for money in the years of the contract that have expired up to this point, right? That is very true, <laughs> yeah. but uh, the book value. Yeah. I don't think they wrote him down because they did write other players down. Right. I don't think they wrote him down. But anyway, something like that. I'm sure United take. I mean, the only reason why that's relevant is FFP calculations. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, he's into the third year of his contract. Like after June the thirtieth, there's no amortization charge on United's books. It's all profit. So expect him to be sold after June the thirtieth. Okay. Is uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I mean, we want to talk about football, not, well, when, what part of the season do you amortise? I mean, to be fair, I, I like having not talked to you in depth about this stuff for quite a while, it's just really nice to hear you say the word amortise again. It's like a big part of my life for a really long time, Ed, as you say the word. Just give me an da, just a quick da. A da. Yes! <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's a da, by the way. Looks pretty good. 140, 150 million on the football club. The overall group makes a loss. Right. It's so the Glazers can pay themselves a dividend. Uh, Otherwise, you know, okay. can't do that in under UK law. Pay yourself a dividend on a loss making entity. But there, ah. yeah. So what's the group include? Oh, it's it's all sorts of stuff. It's the the Cayman Islands registered company, the US registered company, the media company, the land owning company. Right bunch of stuff interesting where were we midfielders 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 so who are our midfielders we've got bruno casemiro mctominay fred ericsson ericsson and anyone else uh that's everyone i can think of pog was not there anymore yeah. is he right He's not, no. no. He's, He's not, not anywhere. anywhere. He spent the season in, yeah. He spent the season injured at Juventus, came back, got himself injured again in the first game back. Crazy. Unbelievable. Really sad yeah. what's happened to him anyway. Very sad for him. I, I saw a lot of social media commentary that was not sad for him, yeah. obviously. A bunch of yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um 
It's the story of his career, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, mixed mix bag, isn't it, midfielders? I don't think anyone's had the perfect season, although Bruno's numbers are outstanding. I still see people on the internet go, go oh, get him out of here. They're outstanding, his numbers. He got 14 goals, 15 assists, I think, across all competitions, which is okay, given the I mean, number of games he played. 14, but... 15 is really great. Who, what, what central, fi- what central attacking midfielders are getting 14 goals and 15 assists in the season, really? Yeah, a, a few. I mean, it's 50 games, so it's yeah, okay. the number of goals. Yeah, it, it's a bit down on his best ever season in terms of numbers, but I think there are reasons for that. One is he played a lot of like a double A, more, more disciplined position when Kane Hag was trying to stop goals flowing. There's that one. And, and two, and this is the most important one. He had Vout fucking Veghorst ahead of him. <laughs> How are you going to pass to that guy? I mean, he made so many chances, Bruno did this season. Yeah. He's, he's number one in chance creation ahead of De Bruyne. And it's just, there's no one finishing it off. Yeah. Yeah, except Marcus. So, and, and, except Marcus. And actually, a lot of Marcus's goals aren't necessarily him finishing off Bruno chances. So he probably would have a lot more assists if he was creating chances for Marcus, but he does that on his own. Um, yeah. We'll come on to him. Yeah. It, I mean, it's interesting because. Because to me, like, Bruno Fernandes obviously had an incredible season. It's his best season since that first one, probably. Um, yeah. And he's found a place in the team and a role in the team, sort of a, I mean, a role in an existential sense rather than in a footballing sense. Like, he is a talisman and a leader in that team, but he doesn't have to have the whole thing on his shoulders. And I think that works yeah. well for him. I mean, he's often captain, right? Um, yeah. Uh, but... To me, I don't know how you don't give, if we give an award for midfielder of the season, I don't know how we don't give that to Casemiro. Maybe this is because I, I've got a slight, because I didn't see the worst Casemiro games. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, like, he's one of the most important signings in recent United history. Like, he's oh, totally sure, transformative. Yeah. And he just looks mint. And he does stuff he never did at Real Madrid because he didn't have to. Well, that's right, because he had Cruz and Modric and, and all those attackers. Yeah, I, I, he's he's a better attacking player than I thought he was, for sure. He he is very good in those positions. That no-look pass the other week. Yeah. Beautiful. I He played too many games. He looked old at times. He looked his age, and he is 31, and United are just going to have to manage that. If they insist on having old players right throughout the spine of the team, then yeah, you've got to have young players around him. And yeah. and unfortunately, he had Ericsson alongside him for a lot of the season when one or other wasn't suspended or injured. Um, and that, that made for an old-looking midfield at times, especially when they were playing twice a week for 20 weeks in a row. Yeah, And it's unbelievable. Between September and late April, I know there's the World Cup in between. They've just played... Weekend, midweek, weekend. There wasn't midweek free mm. at all. Um, and he definitely did look it at times. And he's definitely a better player for having a refresh. And and if they could just get some younger legs in that sort of more, the ball progression role, you know, whether it's taking it off the back four, the Frankie de Jong piece, or someone that's more like Ericsson or uh, someone who can run with the ball, like, I don't know, Jude Bellingham, which isn't going to happen, yeah. sadly. Because... Um, like you know, those legs would make a big difference alongside him. I mean, Madrid are going to have too many Camavinga and Bellingham to replace Cruz, Modric and Casemiro. That's the best succession in football history. Look, look at, 
I hate to say it, but look at 115 over there or <laughs> look at Real Madrid and they, they managed their squads pretty well. And, yeah. you know, Madrid are going to spend a, a, an absolute ton of money this summer because apart from too many, they just haven't really spent that much money in recent seasons. Mm-hmm. Now, they, pick up, they pick up cheap Brazilians and freebies and they sell players for good amounts of money. And it allows them to bring in the stars and and United like oh, so much of United's problems are bad football management. Yeah, you know? and you hope that Murtar and team are going to do that better now. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, they did it right. United need another midfielder because because Eriksson, I really like his ability to use the ball well. He's taken some of the creative burden off Bruno. Um, that and, and he's he's great with the ball. He's a really good passer of the ball, but he's he just doesn't have the engine anymore. Just physically goes after an hour, and uh, and he's a bit of powder puff in defensive situations, and so he's just not enough of an all rounder, I think, to to have the two of them. Bruno being a a free spirit and Ericsson. I mean, when just, they yeah. when they signed Ericsson, the assumption is this is a backup for Bruno, which we didn't previously have. Yeah. But that's not been his role in the team. It's been a no. replacement for Fred, basically. Yeah. Um, if Casemiro yeah. is... And he's he's better than Fred with the ball, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Fred has had some incredible moments this season of good Fred. And it's so nice to see, because he seems like a lovely lad and he tries ever so hard. So when it comes off of Fred... It's just great, and they all the team seem to absolutely love him. Um, and yeah. like Fred would be an amazing fourth choice midfielder, where the first three—I mean, I mean, second or third third choice for a position in the midfield, where the others are like really tip top. Just Fred, bring on for some energy late in a game, bit of cheerleading, bit of good vibes, get the Lord on your side, all the stuff that Fred can do. Um, <laughs> But yeah, hey, t- t- take whatever we can get, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just I don't understand his role in a Ten Hag team. I mean, no. he has had some great moments this season, but not enough. And we just know his qualities, his and energy and commitment, use of the ball, not so good. Definitely not number six. So what is he? I, I yeah, I don't know. He, he he could be our third choice number eight, but what's the point? So. I mean, if if I was given an option, I'd probably sell him as long as United can bring in a top quality midfielder. It it also depends on that. I think what Ten Hag thinks of Iqbal and Kobe Mainu. Yeah, of course. They've both been training all season with because if if he thinks that each of them could get ten or fifteen games next season, if he believes that, and I don't know whether that's true or not. Really, it may be more of a loan situation. But if he could do that, then you could bin off Fred and McTominay. Yeah. For quite a lot of money, and bring in a top quality number eight. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Um, so who are we giving the award to, Bruno or Casemiro? Who would you who would you give it to? Because you've watched a lot more football than I have this season. Yeah. So I think the analytical part of my brain would go Bruno, but the fan part of my brain says Casemiro. Great. Let's give it to Casemiro. Bruno, All I'll right. have it again. And also, it's weird to give midfielder of the year to Bruno Fernandes for being such a good attacker. It's like, it's it's like almost he should be in that running, really, rather than midfielder of the year, although he has played deep a lot. but And also, he definitely wouldn't win attacker of the year, even though this is not my podcast anymore. <laughs> I would burn the whole thing to the ground if we gave that award <laughs> to anyone other than the person that's obviously going to get it, which is about their cost. 
Yeah. Oh, totes. Clearly. Totes for his uh, all-around contribution. I mean, he played half the season at number 10 yeah. as well, didn't he, Val? Yeah. So, uh, all right. There's Val, so, Anthony. There's Val. Jadon, um, Anthony Martial, and then there's the Marcus. person that's worth talking so about. Oh, and Garnacho. MBE. And Garnacho. And yeah. is crucial, of course, to a lot of the yeah. most exciting and best moments of the season. And Palestri, who played a, a few oh, games. Okay. Not too many, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. He's Uruguayan. He is? is. Yes, yes. That's what I know about (laughs) Facundo Palestri. He's very Uruguayan. He looks promising, but um, if I was making a bet, I just, I don't think he's good enough. But he's the one player at the club that's prepared to, like, go on the outside. How much did uh, Elanga play? Very old-fashioned. Sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, that's true. Totally forgot Elanga. Totally forgot him. Mm. Yeah, not much is the answer, yeah. Uh, he would probably be, if, if Ten Hag doesn't believe he's good enough, make the decision now, be ruthless, sell. I think you'd get 15 to 20 million for Langer. You can book it all. Make, makes total sense. Mm. Palestri might be in that bucket too if they're really chasing money. If, you, if they're not going to play 15 or 20 games and they're 22 or 23, there's no point, yeah. is there, keeping them? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what do you... Because Alanga, I'm pretty sure Alanga's not going to cut it, so... So what do you make of Anthony? I, I I mean, I like him a lot. I think he obviously it'd be better if he scored and created more goals. Sure. I mean, he's got I think he's got six this season, I think, which is okay um, for the number of games he played. Not great, but you know, I mean, one in eight or something. That's yeah, very bad, I would say, for an for a, a functionally for an like attack, yeah, yeah, like an yeah, inside yeah. forward. Technically, I guess. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't get near enough to the goal. It's not quite Marcus levels. So the good stuff I like. He's completely committed. He's very, very disciplined. Defensively mm. excellent. I think he carries the ball well, even though he's not particularly quick. He, he he uses up the pitch, especially in games where United are under pressure. I think he would. It'd have been a. He'd definitely been in the team, but it'd also been very important if he if he'd been fit for the cup final. Yeah. So I like all of that. Obviously, no pace. It's a problem. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's just not quick enough to really cause defenders trouble. So it's all about use of the ball. And the use of the ball is inconsistent, which is why he doesn't have the assists. Yeah. But he has moments. Yeah. Goal against Arsenal. Absolutely beautiful goal against Barcelona. Side foot, half volley, curler. Cracking goal to win the game for United. So there's lots and lots of good stuff. I'd, I'd say on balance... Pretty good first season for a young player. Problem is that young player costs 100 million euros. This is the thing, isn't it? Yeah. There's Anthony the player and Anthony the signing, and they feel like they belong in two completely different categories of analysis. Yeah. Which is like Anthony the player is like a pretty good addition to the squad. Anthony the signing is absolutely shocking because, you know, Ten Hag was complaining about not being able to upgrade in January. And it's like you spent 100 million on Anthony in the last week of the transfer window meaning there was no chance you were ever going to get any money in January. Like, you blew the budget on no, right. this. It's, it's a weird True. place to blow the budget on for me. Uh, Edwin van der Sar has just resigned as CEO of Flex because they didn't have a very good season. But he was like, look, last week of the transfer window, we can't get a replacement. You're paying a 50% premium, yeah. which is basically what, yeah. And, and you know, I did it. And this is kind of, even on balance, I think it's a positive signing for the team and the squad. Like United's management of money is just shockingly bad. Mm. I, we're not poor. 
we're actually very rich. Unfortunately, 115 down the road <laughs> use their money much better than us. It's so pathetic. So, <laughs> I mean, not least of which, obviously the 115 is extremely significant, but this is what they have been charged with, not found guilty of at this point. <laughs> well, they have been found guilty twice of breaching UEFA financial fair play. Sure, laws, yeah, yeah, by yeah. The way. You wouldn't believe that for the uh, the coverage of it. Sorry, I'm getting all gold. No, I mean, I, I, no, I mean, absolutely. The city thing is utterly shocking, and well, shocking but not surprising. Um, in fact, the only thing that's surprising about it is that the Premier League have been as robust as in their charge sheet and the publishing of that charge sheet. But anyway, yeah. Um, talking of extremely expensive signings, who their current situation would suggest they're perhaps not value for money. Jaden Sancho, a player I was super excited about. Did he just get 25 yeah. assists in the Bundesliga because he was passing it to Erling Haaland? Or it, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, to, to me, I think the idea that he was rubbish all along doesn't stack up to what I, I saw of him. No, in... no, it's that's not true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do I think, just to, to go off on a tangent, I do think that assists should be weighted. Sure. Like, yeah, they're not all equal. A three-foot pass for someone who knocks one in from 40 yards. Not the same as dribbling past eight players and putting it on a plate for someone to tap in. It's what expected um, threat's supposed should... to be, right? That's It's what expected threat is supposed to be, mm. yes. And I, I think it's a metric we should adopt more because it's about like... And I Anyway, I, I'm obviously a bit of a data nerd. Not an extreme data nerd, but I do think this helps us like have a better conversation about the value of a player yeah. beyond Royce Mize sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, Jaden is a much better player than this, but he's a give and go player. He's he's a player who wants to make triangles. And um I mean some of that is Ten Hag football, but it's not United football right now. United still is uh, the best of United still a transitional team. It's not him. And I think that's why we haven't seen the best of Sancho. Plus there's something going on with him, right? Confidence, mental health, something. It's not quite right. Yeah, the intensity doesn't seem to be there. But he's a give and go, tippy tappy, play triangles, um, playing tight spaces. Absolutely beautiful with his feet. And he does some really, really good stuff that people dismiss because it's not the go past three players and bang one in the top corner, or even something just simpler than that. Mm. You know, if he got a few more goals, he'd have a different narrative around him. So I like him, but. You have him play and then have him play for 60 minutes and then Garnacha comes on, who's all in your face, running direct, and Jaden just looks shit in comparison. Yeah, to quote Kyle Anker on that brilliant TIFO IRL video, run at him, which is like, that's what Garnacho does late on in games, comes on yeah. and terrifies defences. The, the Sancho thing is fascinating because he is a give and go player. To me, like his game relies on, it relies on structure, but it also relies on him firing like um, the synapse is firing and there's been games and moments where you just looked at him being like, make a decision, man. Like this is, he seems to have got yeah. trapped in his own head. The, one of the things I've really liked about Ten Hag was the fact that he appeared to get, now we don't know the details. I don't know anything about what was going on behind the scenes, not even rumor, but um, he appeared to give him time and space to recover without writing him off as a player or a person. And I got a lot of time for that. And he seems to be trying to build him. And I think, it's too soon to write him off because this time last year, half the country were writing 
Marcus, half the world were writing Marcus Rashford off as a as a a prospect gone wrong. He scored thirty goals in all thirty goals and been the yeah. absolute golden boy of the side all season. And Wan Bissaka, someone that everyone would have said he's got no chance of getting back to even the level that he was at in the first place, and he's exceeded that level. So I, I think it we we've seen, and this has been such a weird season with and probably for no one more than for Sancho, given that he missed so much of it for reasons we don't even know what they are. Um, so uh, I wouldn't be making any moves to sell him in the summer. Obviously, you wouldn't because yeah. you'd get no money for him anyway. Right. You you take a massive hit and he's on really big wages because he was on really big wages at Dortmund on that second contract he signed. So he will definitely be here next season. There's no chance of him being sold. They've just got to find the right place in their team. I'd, I'd like to see him play at number 10 a bit more when Bruno isn't. Just we could have done that season instead of Valt Bekos there, for example. Sure. For like 10 or 15 games. Um, I think it'll bring out more more of what is good about Jaden and less of, hey, he's not taking on a player. It's not his game. Don't expect him to do something. It's it's like, the, sorry for the, the, the comparison, but it's a bit like people complaining about Paul Pogba not defending. Like, what did you expect? Yeah. You know? This is not who he is. You um, need to put him in a position to succeed, which he hasn't been. Exactly. But to me, like, there is also, as with Pogba, there's also the problem of even when he has been put in the position to succeed, he Absolutely. has then not he succeeded. He hasn't proven himself. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah. but then that's it's like this thing of like, it's that's just all linked to the enormous kind of collapse in confidence that preceded, that, that is con- a consequence of not being in a position to succeed for such a long time. Garnacho yeah. is super interesting to me because like, he's obviously like electrically exciting and Garnacho is either Rashford or Yanazai, right? He's one or the other. And he he's Schrodinger's Yanazai or Rashford at this point. Right. <laughs> um, so it's going to be fascinating to see what's the what's the trajectory there. Um, is he going to be at Sociedad or is he going to be scoring 30 goals in a season for United in, in a few years' time? should pick up the phone to uh, El Presidente at uh, Real Madrid and say, 100 million, you want him? 100 million? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not serious about that. I mean, look, I hope he's obviously, I hope he's Schrodinger's Rashford and he's putting Rashford under pressure next season for a place in the side. And, and, um, and we're finding maybe, maybe Rashford plays more through the middle or whatever. If we only sign Rasmus Hoyland as a, an attacker, which seems perfectly possible as being the only option is 20 year old kid from Atlanta. Um, maybe Rashford plays through the middle more and we give, Garnacho more starts. The one thing I'd say with Garnacho, he doesn't consistently perform for sure. You know, so the, young, the, right? those games he's he's so young. Um, he he definitely hasn't put it all together for ninety minutes yet. But in those moments, yeah, he, I was expecting when he cut inside and put that ball just wide of the post against City, I was expecting the net to bulge. I got you know, you just you can see it, you can see it, can't you? Just you can see it. Got a bit sad thinking about that because I also expected that. And it didn't happen. It was very sad. I that game, yeah. I was like so dreading the cup final because I thought we were going to get battered. I really did think we were going to get battered. And in the end, it was almost worse because you couldn't even turn it off after an hour and go, "I'm giving up." Because it was like it was there all the way till the dying embers when Scott McTominay headed the ball. I thought, "Oh, we didn't even talk about Scott McTominay and midfielders." I guess we don't have to. Oh, I mean, we know what Scott is, right? Yeah, he's he's committed. 
it's what is his place in the team? He's like a, a, a mediocre number eight and a pretty shitty number six. And like, probably it's worth selling him. You know, I know he's come up through the academy. Homegrown players is an issue for United. Um, crazy. And so that may, be a, that may be part of the calculation. But like 30 million, someone will pick him up for that kind of money. He's worth it oh, as well to abso- a mid-ranked side, absolutely. for sure. He'll score goals. He'll be committed. Um, he's a leader on the he's pitch. A, he's, he's got, he's he got is, loads of yeah. qualities. I mean, I know this is everybody says exactly this. It's totally unoriginal thought. But he is an utterly perfect member of the squad. Like he would, if United were a really, really, really good team, having Scott McTominay around would be brilliant. For, there's no sure. way Fergie would have sold Scott McTominay. No way. No way. Hell. No, no. Um, yeah. Although he did sell Nicky Butt. So maybe. <laughs> yeah. But... Okay. There's no way he would sell Scott McTominay until he's 28 or whatever Nicky Butt was when he sold him. That's a good point. That is a good point. Um, uh, I think McTominay is nearly 28, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Until he's 29. <laughs> Very enjoyable. Um, Anthony Martial, I, I mean, I one of the things that upsets me so much about football cover, like United fan chatter online, is the idea that Anthony Martial should be pilloried for his injury record and not like, here's a guy who had the absolute world at his feet whose potential has been completely destroyed by his body not being able to sustain the rigours of elite sports in that way without without falling towards injury. I mean, whether it's management, yeah. I mean, you look at him, he's ob- he obviously looks after himself. Do you know what I mean? This isn't, isn't somebody who's like not looking after himself physically or anything. So, yeah, it's just really sad. Um, but obviously, the he must have run out of road now in terms of any chance. I mean... It, most people would say a long time ago yeah um yeah and i mean and i don't know i mean clearly his body's let him down i'm hoping that's just his body's let him down and it's not like a lack of commitment to his health and fitness on you know his part i don't know anything about that so let's just say let's just say it's that and he's been terribly unlucky and unfortunately all that Brilliant talent has gone to waste. Mm. United, I don't know how they're going to ship him out. I mean, he's on wages, so they'll have to subsidise it. I think he's got one more year left on his contract, plus an option. Well, you don't. Nobody's which, taking uh, that, would, right? Would, so, just yeah. let him run out his um, contract at United, maybe. Like, just have him around for one more season, and then he goes at the end yeah. of that. That's. I mean, find a club that needs a. Pro- problem is, he's just there's no. There's there's nothing in the shop window to go. Hey, look what you could have. There's just you you would have to. He would have to be on a pay as you play deal if he went permanently type thing, yeah. incentivized because you just can't trust him to stay fit. And um and if it's a, a loan now, United would have to subsidize the wages very heavily, maybe all of them. Yeah. Uh, you know what's the point? Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah. Sad tale. So on to. The best story in world football by an order of magnitude. The easily the most joyful narrative of the season. The redemption arc of all redemption arcs. Manchester United's greatest ever footballer. Maybe not as a footballer, but, you know, (laughs) Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford. 
That was a hell of a build-up to Valve yeah. Cost. That no, was no, not even no. It's... There's no, there's no conversation to be had about Valve Cost. Marcus Rashford's season. I mean, there were stretches of the season where he was literally scoring in every game. It was like it was Cantona levels yeah. of we need a goal. It's fine. Rashford hasn't scored his goal yet. Like incredible consistency, consistency of performance, consistency yep. of fitness for large stretches of the season. Just um, every step of the way in public, at least a thoroughly decent individual. Definitely from what I've heard behind the scenes, this is not a PR thing. This is who Marcus Rashford is. Um, so just so it's just a lovely story. I mean, I'm, in my head, I can already see like how actually there's loads of terrible stuff going on. And it's even this is bad. Um, but for the moment, a pure and joyous part of being a United fan is Marcus Rashford's season, especially after yeah. everything that happened and everything that was said last season. Yeah, well, for the previous two seasons. Mm. So I think the fitness is clearly... The trust of Ten Hag, massive confidence and and the fitness. It's just, yeah. I mean, he's always had this talent. It's just he spent two seasons with his foot and shoulder injuries. And, and it tailed off a bit towards the end of the season, but he's been, as we now know, he's been playing with an injury as yep. well. And he clearly he was injured in the cup final, right? So yep. um, give him a nice big long rest over the summer. Come back, do it again. That's his next level up now is to have another 30 goal season and it not just be a one hit wonder. Uh, and he's definitely good enough to do that. Oh, yeah. Definitely questions over his role in the team. Does he play more centrally? He seems to like the space he gets off the left. I think he scores more goals there. Yeah. Um, clearly, clearly his his XG coming off the left is higher than through the middle and twice what it is off the right for understandable reasons. Yeah. So it's yeah. Um, he's 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 been the difference between United, like fighting on four fronts, going deep into four competitions, qualifying for the Champions League, and not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He won Players' Player of the Season Award and Fans' Player of the Season Award. That means he won the Matt Busby Award, which is the Player of the Season Award, to make him only the third player to win the Jimmy Murphy Young Player of the Year Award and player after Mark Hughes and Ryan Giggs, which is some illustrious footballing company there in terms of United history. Um, it's a big deal. It certainly is. It's a big deal. And he he deserves it. Yeah. He, yeah. And so important to United. Need that contract signed, of course, and it'll be a big one. And he deserves that too. Sure. And given the wages that some players are on at this club, and you know, uh, three and he's homegrown. He's one of ours, and and all. That, yeah, it's a great story. And half or three quarters of the fan base this time last year wanted him gone in the summer. You just, it's, it's just. I we're very quick to decide things. And we generally don't know what's actually happening. And we definitely don't know what could be about to actually happen. And this is, Rashford's season has been such a beautiful, it's been such beautiful proof that we just don't know what's going on and what's about to happen. And and yeah, it's been, it's been phenomenal. And from everything we know, it couldn't happen to a, couldn't happen to a nicer person, which is often. Yeah. And uh, which, where well, yes, is not very common in football, as it turns <laughs> yeah. out. There are a lot of scumbags, quite collection at United, um, unfortunately, allegedly. Yeah, jeez, he's yeah, absolutely. I, I, and and I, I couldn't have less time for the the 
Trashford crowd on Twitter or the people who think his community work is fake and just done by his PR firm. It just it's all bollocks. Just yeah. As, as someone said on Twitter the other day, the uh, the little Qatar flag has replaced the LUHG crowd for <laughs> absolute numbskulls on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this is a discourse not worth participating in, right? Like, it's a this is this is a discourse that is. It just has no value. If, if people, everyone who says that Marcus Rashford's community work is fake does not know what they're talking about. It's a projection of their own insecurities, presumably a projection of their own character, right? Like that, oh, well, if I was famous, I would just play a PR company to make it look like I was a good person. Like, how about the fact that no other footballer does this? Was he just seen a niche yeah. in the market? What does it give him? He's Man United's number 10. I don't think he needs more marketability. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's all right. So, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, I've always found feeding hungry kids was the way to make your name in the world. You know? In, this, uh, in mean... this country where they just hate anyone half decent, like, you know that the tabloid press were just rabid for the moment that they could take him down. What is fascinating is that in the, cause that was in, I, that was in at the end of that first lockdown. So in the middle of 2020, basically they've had three years to find something on him and they've there, they have missed every time they've come at the King. Like it's, I mean, they're, they're reduced to Marcus Rashford was seen shopping in his Bentley as a, the old trope of, successful black footballer should not be allowed to have expensive cars. Yeah. Yeah. Still running the hits, aren't they? Absolutely. But considering what they would like to do to him, um, because the people that he must have angered by doing what he did, this man forced two government climb downs, two government U-turns on policy. Keir Starmer definitely hasn't got two government U-turns on policy since he became leader of the opposition. (laughs) Like, I mean, you want to force a U-turn, you've got to have a policy, haven't you? <laughs> yes, quite. Um, so, Marcus Rashford... Will you stop talking about politics, Ed? I get a little bit less of that now. Well, I wonder uh, why. We do... what's, what's changed in the <laughs> dynamic and my... <laughs> I, I tell you what I do get. Yeah. I, I haven't actually talked about this with Dan, but yeah, a bit less politics. Although we talk, talk about, you know, political economy of football sure. a lot. Quite a lot of people coming at me on Twitter or Instagram going, why aren't you talking about Israel? What is the thing that's been added to the pod that would ask? Uh, it's just really oh, odd. Oh, right. Well, like, yeah. th- this is, uh, I mean, I, I do think it is really funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's brutally tragic that you're being called Islamophobic and pro, like, the other side of that argument. When when the Glazers took over, there was very much not the accusation that was being levelled at you, if I remember. Oh, no, so, I was being called an anti-Semite because every time I was like, I don't like their uh, business model, they were like, you hate Jews. Yeah. So it's like, it turns out... <laughs> none of these things are true, by the way, folks. No, it turns out Ed is extremely impartial to everything except people's business model. Ed is just a machine of capitalist uh, analysis. <laughs> That's right. Um yeah, uh, the the um the funny thing is, like during this whole uh, to pivot slightly, this whole takeover process, um, I, I'm not an expert on it. I'm not an expert on football tactics. I'll read a bit. I'll watch a bit. I'm not an expert on coaching. I don't go to enough games anymore, given where I live, to be called a top red really anymore. 
I do know quite a lot about corporate M&A, <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I obviously, for reasons I can't name everything, but, you know, if I was waving my credentials dick around, it'd be quite large <laughs> when it comes to this particular topic. And, <laughs> anyway. and the, the <laughs> thing is, to me, like the to a certain extent, the problem is the medium, right? Because this conversation that you're talking about only happens, Twitter is the arena in which that conversation happens. And, and sure. you know, I know this is a bit like an ex-smoker going, oh, isn't smoking bad? But there is genuinely, like observing it from the outside, it is so evident the extent to which this has changed. Not that like 2011 Twitter was some sort of utopian paradise, because it certainly wasn't. But there, the level of like bipolarity in the discourse, the level of kind of sure. like, just the complete lack of curiosity in the discourse it's like the the mm. the kind of it's like like the people saying rashford's pr work that um rashford's good works are for pr orientation it's people who are absolutely certain of the of the motivation of other people that's the thing that gets me because it's like the thing you definitely don't know about someone unless you know them really well is what their motivations are like this is this is deep stuff and it's not evident on the surface and like the idea that you would be motivated by a dislike for a group of people versus a dislike of policies or um power structures or the influence like even if you're completely agnostic to those things the influence of those things in football like that's mm-hmm. what the problem is. And obviously, I, I know you very well. So that isn't a conversation me and, oh, Ed, is, it, is this actually secretly because you don't like people from the Middle East? It's like, obviously, that's just complete madness. Um, and, yeah. and I do yeah. understand I, the... I do need the trifecta, though. I need I need someone to accuse me of being like anti-Christian or something. Is it, uh, Jim like a big churchgoer? <laughs> So, yeah, well, let's let's hope know. so, and then you could. Or just to really turn on Fred. <laughs> like, oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I have bashed Fred yeah. somewhat. Yeah, that must be it. That's what it is. So, anyway, it's yeah. really nice catching up. Um, and we haven't given our player of the season. Oh, 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 oh forward of the season. Let's um, <laughs> let's let's discuss whether there's a great deal of tension. <laughs> like. As I said, we're burning the place to the ground if he doesn't get it. All right. Mar- Marcus is forward of the season and player of the season. Yeah. Congratulations, Marcus. And he- he's Ed's um, player of the season and he's Paul's player of the season and he's NQAT player of the season. He's rank cast player of the season. That's who he is. That is the real award. That is the real award. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well, we're, we're going to have a big summer. I mean, there's lots of outgoings, some incomings, probably a new owner. It's a little hard to say at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, touch wood. Because obviously, of not following it like minute by minute, I keep thinking, why hasn't this happened yet? And and could you give me a quick like two minutes on why it hasn't happened yet? And I think yeah, the the two reasons why it hasn't happened. One, it suited the Glazers and the Rain Group who who are the bank organising the sale to string it out and try and create competition when there hasn't been. It's a very bad market for corporate M&A because interest rates are high and therefore other investments um, are relatively valuable. Right. So, yeah, if you're going to borrow money, if you're going to leverage money, if you're going to borrow money, if you're going to leverage, um, it's an expensive way of doing it. And United don't look quite as good an investment. 
So we did get all the PE firms at least like trying to buy United out fully, basically. Not a lot of competition, so they're trying to string it out to create a false auction. And two, I, I think it's been widely reported. I have no insight on this, but widely reported that the Glazer family do not agree on the path forward. Right. That's been another problem. And so the so selling up, um, either sell up for the number they want or partially sell up won't have any control to INEOS um, and like keep some shares in order to take some upside later, either guaranteed through what are these put and call mechanisms or just an assumption that United's value will rise. Um, those are the two main options. And the reason why the private equity, the minor, the kind of m- minority stake from private equity like Elliott or any of the Carlisle group or any others is, is less attractive is because, well, one, they don't get all the money they want right now. Um, and two, it doesn't really solve the problem, which is a lack of cash flow stemming from a lack of growth and a lack of success. Right. right? It'll just be money to the shareholders, the Glazer family, and not into the club. Right. So they couldn't go and fix a stadium, or buy more players, or write off any debt or any of that. So, um, I mean, you've just basically. So anyway, that's why. That's why it's. It's just basically described a group of siblings arguing about whether a merger or an acquisition should be allowed to take place with their father's legacy. Somewhere in the zeitgeist, I guess. It really is. Who's the Tom Wamsgans (laughs) of this this scenario? Who's Greg? That's probably more appropriate question. I love the idea that it's Darren Fletcher. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) It's probably terribly disrespectful to the great man's legacy, though. Not Greg's. Um, <laughs> all right well yes um we'll do this again in christmas yeah yeah we'll do the half season report yeah lovely there you have it a season wrap thanks for listening this season everyone i think i said on the last pod lots lots going on this summer i've got a few interviews lined up awesome talking about the takeover euro football a few book type stuff going on um so there'll be stuff over the summer no actual football to talk about until July, which is only next month. If we uh, if we win the Ashes, can we do an Ashes special? Yeah, sure. All right, great. Just just for the Patreon backers. <laughs> Lovely. They've famously loved the cricket content. <laughs> do remember as they tell there us, there was like three people who were buzzing about it. So that those three people would be really happy. Very good. Catch you all later. All right. Thanks a lot.